Restaurant Unstoppable episode 1005 with Pinky Cole. All you got to do is be persistent in your pursuits. And as long as you are consistent and persistent in the things that you want to do, something got to work. It's all about the attitude and the diligence and the confidence behind the thing that you're doing that will eventually manifest itself to something successful. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Reachify. Why are you still taking phone calls when you have online services that can support the majority of your guest needs? Redirect your callers so you can focus on the food and the guests across the counter. Reachify is powerful and flexible. For example, with advanced automation and caller deflection, Reachify prevents missed caller opportunities and diverts callers to online actions. Reachify also simplifies workflows for your team, enabling them to operate more efficiently to attract, retain, and engage callers effectively. Reachify, be in control of the conversation you want to have when you're able to have them. Hop on to reachify.io slash unstoppable to find out how to revolutionize the way your restaurant does business. And when you use that link, get one month free after onboarding. That's reachify.io slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it more butts and seats and that's not it if you are interested in this head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash rsp that's rsp for restaurant systems pro www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash rsp Restaurants Unstoppable Network is coming back and we are stronger than ever before so During the pandemic, I started the network as a way to evolve and adapt. And when things opened back up, I was on the road again. That is my happy place. But there is value in the network. But I knew I couldn't be on the road and do the network at the same time. So I recruited Callan Miola to be our community manager. And she is killing it. She is organizing things like I could never have done on my own. And we are getting after it. So if you want to be a part of the conversation, the podcast is the leading edge. We're out there. We're turning over rocks. We're finding leads. The network is where we pull back the layers. We dive deep, but we connect our listeners to the tools, services, and organizations that are being referred to us organically. If you want to be in the network, act now because the first 50 people to sign up will get a free t-shirt head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash whatever the episode number is find the link or the banner in the show notes and you will get a 30-day trial to get into the network get a free shirt and if you opt into the one-year plan we will throw in a hat and a mug thank you in advance 
with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, CEO and founder of Slutty Vegan, Pinky Cole Pinky. My lady, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm unstoppable every day. Not you just are. Today. You are. It's so <laughs> impressive just to see what you've accomplished over time and uh, a short amount of time, really, like five years. You've you've gone gangbusters. Five years has felt like forever. Yes. It's- <laughs> Especially in the restaurant industry, an industry that is the most difficult industry to succeed in. You're so inspired. Um, we know statistically restaurants don't last too long. No. Um, especially startups. So to be able to do what we've been doing in the last five years has just been dynamic and disruptive. And you've been and so I'm, intelligent about it, that your approach. It's I been really fun it. to see and do the research to see how you started and how you started where you could and you scaled over time. I cannot wait to pull back the layers on let's you. Let's pull it back. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? Success is like mud. You throw something on a wall and something got to stick. Yes. (laughs) My father told me that. So pull back the layers. Why does that resonate with you? How how does that speak to you? How do you interpret that? I've been grinding all my life, right? And for the people who don't know what grinding is, is I've been moving and shaking and like being diligent about the path forward in my career since I was a kid. Right. So I've tried everything. I I threw parties. I sold candy. um, I was a producer. I was an actress. And all of those things seemingly didn't stick so well, metaphorically. Um, But they end up doing exactly what it was supposed to do. And that was slutty vegan. So anybody who's listening to this who is an entrepreneur, all you got to do is be persistent in your pursuits. And as long as you are consistent and persistent in the things that you want to do, something got to work. Yeah. It's all about the attitude and the diligence and the confidence behind the thing that you're doing that will eventually manifest manifest itself to something successful. So in all of your other pursuits that didn't work out, did you learn more about yourself? Absolutely. What did you learn about yourself by figuring out what didn't work? Every day I learn something about myself. I learn that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm be- not alone. Because not alone. I know that I don't know what I'm doing, that means that I'm doing everything right. Yes. Because if I well, came here and said, I know everything, I'm the expert, I'm the this and I'm the, and if you don't do it this way, it won't work, then that would be pompous and it's not true. Yeah. Right? But what I realized in this journey um, and being a restaurateur and a philanthropist and an entrepreneur and all of these grandiose words, I realized that this journey is one where you get to learn every single day. There's an opportunity to be better every single day. Today, I may feel like I know everything about um, cogs. <laughs> and tomorrow, right. I'm like, what? I didn't know that. Let me go to Google. <laughs> right? So, like, I get to reinvent myself every day. And that is the beauty of entrepreneurship. Yeah. yeah. So, Restaurant Unstoppable is really about sharing your story. We have about an hour together today. But I, I want to pay homage to where you came from, uh, like your come up. And I know you, you kind of quickly went through what you did before opening restaurants. But um, is it worth hovering over any key lessons, life lessons before kind of talking about opening your first restaurant, which actually was not Slutty Vegan? No, my first. Well, it actually goes way before way that. Well, cool. Take us um, back to where it makes sense. To one start. of the biggest life lessons that I've learned is don't do anything illegal because you'll go to jail. Because oh. <laughs> my father did 22 years in prison. Wow. Um, so I grew up in a single parent household. Mm. So that was my first experience of really just like being a chameleon and trying to figure life out, right? Like by society standards, I'm supposed to be a statistic. I grew up in a household where my mother at the time was an immigrant. 
Um, my father was serving 22 years in prison and being in a single parent household, you know, there's certain things that you miss not having two parents in the house. Um, so it taught me to like really just go the extra mile because I didn't want to grow up and live the life that I lived as a kid. Um, and I grew up in a middle family, middle class household. Right. So like life wasn't terrible. But the things that I wanted in my life, I did not have. Yeah. Um, I had all the things that I needed, but all the things that I wanted. So when I got older um, and opened up my first restaurant, it was called Pinky's Jamaican and American Restaurant. It was so way left. I had no idea that I was about to turn into a restaurant tour. Okay. So, so reflecting back at that time, opening your first restaurant, it was in New York, correct? It was in New York, Harlem, New York, Harlem, New York. Um, knowing what you know now, after how many restaurants do you have? Total? I, have a, I just opened up my eleventh yesterday. So after starting a restaurant, scaling it to eleven, a different restaurant, scaling it to eleven locations. All this knowledge, all the network you've accumulated, the people you have access to, the mentors that are steering you, going back, if you could put yourself in that position back in 2016 when you opened your first restaurant, what advice would you have for yourself? Or did you do a lot right? Um, I did everything wrong. Um, <laughs> I didn't have fire insurance. Oh, no. I didn't pay my sales and use taxes. I just thought that you just collect money and put it in the bank and pay your employees. I thought that's what it was. Um, but I needed it to be wrong then so that I knew how to do it right um, in the business when I created Slutty Vegan. And now that I have the resources, I like to say I got like the Michael Jordans on my team now. So yeah, I got like the big boys. You man. You really do. Um, like so, the, you have a, a great network and that's huge. But I go do. back to 2016. So, so you know, in, in 2016, and I don't know how much you know about the story. Not had, much, just a little. I, so I had the restaurant did seemingly well at the time i sold jerk chicken and i was a vegan yeah <laughs> but but i had people loving it and coming it coming to the restaurant so why restaurants well, well like how did you make the leap from it was so random productions uh because you went from acting to, to production then to restaurants right so one of my friends who had a restaurant in the neighborhood he knew somebody that that had a restaurant that she was trying to sublet and he was like hey there's a restaurant available you want to open it up and i'm like okay like it wasn't there was no like background there was no no formal conversation. I'm just like, okay, well, I like to eat. I'm not a chef. I've never been to culinary school, um, but I really like food. And I grew up in a Caribbean household, so I know how to cook what yeah. I know how to cook. So I said, hey, why not? Like, I'm up for the challenge. So I went to Google and YouTube and learned everything that I could learn about the restaurant industry. And, you know, I got common sense. Yeah. So <laughs> I got my permits and I opened up this store and here we are. I got a restaurant. I painted yes. it pink and opened up the doors and I had lines. Wow. People were coming and people were supporting the brand. And I was in my early 20s. So can you imagine that the average 20-year-old is partying and clubbing and going to the bar? And running and, a restaurant And inside. I'm running a restaurant. <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears. I'm tired. I'm stressed. I'm financially strapped. And I'm like, and here I am. I had my dream job already. I was a producer for the Maury Show at the time. Wow. So all of the money that I was making um, as a producer, I was dumping it to the restaurant. So you were doing both? Yes. Wow. Like I was... When I, I'm the queen of multitasking, okay? Um, it didn't last too long, but I did it, and it worked at the time. What was, um, the, what was the appeal? I'm curious. Like, what was the appeal of the restaurant industry for you? What's, what drew you in? It wasn't restaurants. It was financial freedom uh, and the opportunity to be able to manifest something that I created right here in my mm. brain. Um, I'm the kind of person that I'm, I'm, this is a passion project for me. So when you think about restaurants, when people say that 
Pinky is a restaurant tour and a chef. Well, first of all, I'm not a chef, but thank you. Um, <laughs> and a restaurant tour, I'll take it. But like, I don't really consider myself a restaurant tour. I consider myself somebody who is passionate about the projects that she creates, mm. and it just showed up in the form of restaurants. Yeah. And now here we are. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. So uh, you mentioned some. So again, bringing us back to running this restaurant, uh, knowing what you know now, uh, what advice would you have given yourself as far as you know how to? I mean. It sounds like the only thing, the only reason why the restaurant stopped was because it caught on fire. I had a grease fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have insurance. I think is that a big lesson? I didn't have fire insurance. Fire insurance. Um, Got it. You know, when, when there are people in the world that say, I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to start a business, but there's so much that come with starting a business. And it's not just getting an LLC, mm-hmm. right? Like, especially if it's a restaurant, you got to get an LLC, you got to get your permit, you got to get liability insurance. There's so, so many, many things that's so overwhelming. Yeah. And unless you truly do the research, you don't understand it until it's too late. Yeah. And I didn't understand until it was too late. But I like to call it very expensive school. Mm. Right. I went to a very I went to the Harvard University of Restaurants <laughs> because what I learned is you got to have your business in order. Yes. It's not enough to sell food and people like the food and they give you five star reviews. If when you lift up under the hood. Right. The car don't start. Right. And my car didn't start when you lift up under the hood. Right. <laughs> That's important. Um, so now my car starts. OK. <laughs> my car is booming. Oil changes, tune ups. I'm metaphorically. I speaking, love it. Obviously. I love it. Uh, um, so but I needed that to happen early on. I'm going to do a little selfish plug here because I, I recorded an episode with an insurance broker for the restaurant industry that we went over all the different types of insurance our restaurant needs. So if you guys Google search restaurant unstoppable insurance, I'm sure that will pull up the episode. I can't remember what episode number it is, but it's a huge lesson. And you, so many things can happen in the restaurant industry. And when you're a day to day business, you can't take a a week or a month or a, a, a year off to, to fix things you need you need to have that insurance you need security in real time <laughs> yeah it's super important yes any other lessons in in your story before we transition to pinky coals Team. not pinky coals slay vegan pinky coals sounds like another restaurant <laughs> that does like sound it. like another restaurant um, i like it maybe it's your next one right um <laughs> there's so much importance in finding the right team and early on in my career i didn't put an emphasis on finding the right mm. team I put an emphasis on just finding bodies to just right. be present mm-hmm. and I could build the team when they get there. Yeah. Right. And now when I look back at the full picture, I realize that in order to be successful in the restaurant industry, you have to work smart, not harder. Yes. So I was hiring people who did not have the same mindset or ethos that I had. I was bringing in people who simply just wanted a paycheck yeah. that did not have a growth plan in my business. And it reflects in how they show up um, in, in, in your environment. And now when I identify people to be a part of my company, it's very important that we're like-minded, that they believe in the mission, that they want the things that I want, that they have dreams and goals because it's no longer just about my dreams, right? right? You got to be able to bake yourself inside of the dream so that you can see the end goal for yourself as well. Um, So finding the right team has been like one of the biggest lessons I used to find people on Instagram. (laughs) I don't so much (laughs) And you you had a full-time job too, so it wasn't like you could be there to, you know shape them into the person you wanted them to be either you know yeah. you kind of had to trust that they would just do it you had to trust but you know, yeah. trust is a fickle word in the restaurant industry I, yeah. I was trusting people that was stealing from me early oh, on no. in my first restaurant you know um and i'm like this is what trust looks like but but it, it gave me the opportunity to learn what to do differently if i was to ever do it again yeah. and i did it again and it yes. was called slutty vegan so the the fire happens when 
The fire happened in 2016. So I actually opened in 2014. Got it. And the fire happened in 2016. Now, at the time, I had a juice bar um, in addition to the restaurant, and it was called Pinky's Juice Bar. That's right. So I'm booming. I'm a producer. You're all over I got this restaurant. I got this juice bar. Everybody in Harlem is supporting me. Everything is good. And then the fire happened. And I got the call at 11 o'clock at night after I closed the store. And I was in my apartment, and the, the fire department called me and said, Hi, is this Miss Cole? Um, do you have the restaurant on 145th Street? And I'm like, yes, I do. Well, please, if you can come down to the restaurant because the, there was a grease fire at the space. So me, I'm like, grease fire? I'm thinking it's like a little, you know, yeah. something that you could put out. When I went there, all of my windows were busted out. Oh, man. The ceiling was coming in. Everything was black. You couldn't see. Um, and I was just in shock. Yeah. Take us there emotionally. What were you um, feeling? There was no emotion in the in the beginning. I, I was shocked. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you were so shocked. Like, that's all you feel. It's just like there's stillness. That I mean, I'm sure I have. Like, it's like getting in a car accident. Right? Exactly. So yeah. the, it's almost like somebody. I've never been shot before. But if somebody got shot and they yeah. don't feel it at first until the adrenaline goes down and it's just like, oh, damn, I just got shot. Yeah. It felt like I got shot, but I, I didn't bet. feel it first. Um, but I looked at the building and when it finally hit me. I'm like, okay, cool. I got insurance. I'll be all right. And then I made the phone call, and he was like, no, you opted out of that. You don't, you don't have that. And I'm like, what? Oh, so, so then you got hit again. The, ro- the, the, the world froze a second time. Yeah, it froze a second time <laughs> oh because Pinky Cole was the person that everything that she touches turns to gold. Well, at least that's what I thought, yeah. right? <laughs> Until this. I think you're still proving it. You're well, still- thank you. <laughs> but this situation really humbled me quick yeah. um, because I could not salvage the da- damage. I couldn't afford it. No. I could not afford to salvage, salvage the damaged items. And at the time, because I sublet the space, but let me tell you how God works. Because I sublet the space, at the same time, somebody purchased the property from my former landlord so they wanted to get me out anyway so it was just like an even exchange yeah. yeah so that was the universe telling me like now it's time to walk so it was like a, like a neutral you it was it, at the same time when i say the timing couldn't have been any better yeah so i got a call um from a tv show asking me if i wanted to be a supervising producer and this is probably like a couple weeks later right um, and I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I, I have nothing to lose. Yeah. Like, here we go. And I walked away from everything. I walked away from the restaurant. The juice I was, bar? I walked away from the juice bar. <laughs> it's funny because... That was still going though, right? Because that wasn't... Was that associated with the business? Was it in the same building? Or? I walked away from everything. It wasn't in the same building. It was down the street. So why'd you walk away from the juice bar? I, just a new start. Mm. One thing about me is if I'm if, if I got to go... I got to go, mm. right? And nobody can tell me not to go. Nobody can tell me. Think about it. Like, my spirit is going to lead me in the direction that I need to go. And I knew that if I did not step out of that situation completely, then life wasn't going to start over for me in the way that I wanted to. So Sometimes I, you got to step back to step forward. Sometimes you got to step back to step forward. And mm-hmm. I did that. And I moved to L.A. They flew me out and paid for me to come to L.A. And I really, like, started over. So this is 2016? This was 2016. 2000, two years later... You open Pinky Colt. I just did it again. It's slutty vegan. I love that Sorry. you call it Pinky Colt. It should be a name of a restaurant. It's <laughs> right. such a great name, but I do love your name. Thank it's so you. much fun. Um, so two years later, I got the call while I was in L.A. asking me to come to Atlanta temporarily. I was only supposed to be there for three months um, to work on the show because the guests wanted me to be on the ground just to make sure that logistically everything was good. I'm like, okay, cool. I put all of my stuff in storage in L.A. That was almost five years ago. Wow. Is it still there? 
It's still in storage. Oh Five years later. I want to see you on one of those storage like war Listen, shows. Listen, and the only reason why I did not get my storage up is because I know that one day it's going to be at the Hard Rock Cafe. I was going to say, it's going to be like one of those, like, like those uh, history like boxes where yes. they like, bury them like, and like yeah, 100 years of later you come back. And my bathrobes and You should auction towel, that off in 10 years. Auction um, that but off. it's still in storage, but it, it really is symbolic. Um Time capsule. That's the word I'm looking for. It is. Because when I came to Atlanta, I had no idea that me at the time being a casting director was going to create something that was going to turn into a $100 million company. I had no idea. Are you allowed to say what the company is? Slutty Vegan. Oh, wait. So the casting director. Oh, I, oh, thought, oh. I thought you were talking about the. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. It's, okay. Sorry. It, it, it's a casting show. It was on the own network. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. It. So you came to Atlanta with the job and that's when you got the bug and you to create. I got the bug. Business. But let me tell you about this bug. Do you feel like you're walking in your purpose? Yes. I feel like I'm walking in my purpose, too. But before I unlock that purpose, something spiritual happened for me. Right. I'm not religious. I want to be clear, but I'm very spiritual. Before I came up with the idea for Slutty Vegan, I started running every day, five miles a day. I started reading one book a day, every single day, and I was raw vegan. It was like I was going through a spiritual transformation. My friend said I was crazy, like, Pinky, what is going on with you? What is wrong? (laughs) I was not going out. I wasn't hanging out with nobody. I knew that I was preparing for something. I just didn't know what it was. That's, That's wild. So when Slutty Vegan came, and now that I had the full circle moment, I'm like, this is what I was preparing for. This is what I was getting my mindset ready for. The most difficult pieces of the business I was already preparing for because I was doing it running. Have you ever ran five miles every day? Uh, that shit is hard. Yes, I have. And I, I need to get back to doing it. It is hard. That's <laughs> I, why I'm not doing it anymore. It uh, <laughs> but, but it's difficult. Yeah. And reading, I was the sharpest that I've ever been. I was the fittest that I've ever been. And I felt like the universe was preparing me for something so great and I needed to be mentally able to handle it so when I came up with Slutty Vegan my my friend my closest friends was like it's a great idea but my mother obviously who knew what happened at the old restaurant she was a little concerned she was like Pinky you sure like it was stressful you sure you want to do this and I'm like I'm going for it Yeah. and I had no idea that it was going to turn into what the world knows today so we're going to take a break and thank our sponsors and we're going to talk about how this vision for the Slutty Vegan came into your, your mind and how you started executing it after all the experience you had the second time around I can't wait to unpack keyword marijuana yeah <laughs> I think I have some in my bag if you need to <laughs> we'll be right back this episode is brought to you by reachify why are you still taking phone calls when you have online services that can support the majority of your callers needs redirect your callers so you can focus on the food and the guests across the counter reachify is powerful and flexible for example with advanced automation and call deflection, Richify prevents missed caller opportunities and diverts callers to online actions such as online ordering or reservations, which means orders come in faster and more accurately. Richify delivers safe and secure communication across multiple platforms with intelligently routed messages to the right people, thereby increasing accountability within the team, allowing your in-office and mobile team teams to stay connected with reachify you save hours of labor expense by reducing dedicated phone staff as a matter of fact some reachify users have seen a reduction in 40 percent of their phone staff that's pretty good and how's this for a cherry on top there are no long term contracts that's 
awesome. Reachify. Be in control of the conversation you want to have when you want to have them. Hop on to reachify.io slash unstoppable to find out how to revolutionize the way your restaurant does business. And when you use that link, get one month free after onboarding. That's reachify.io slash unstoppable. We're back. And you kind of just set us up. You're in Atlanta. Uh, you, you have this something going on spiritually where you're feeling like you're getting ready for something. You're exercising, you're eating right, you're, you're, prepent- you're preparing yourself mentally with books. And then how, like, when did Slutty Vegan come into your mind? Like, Take us to the moment where you had your aha moment of like, this is what I want to do. So, so let me tell you this piece of the story that I really don't tell a lot of people. So there was a concept idea um, that I came up with prior to Slutty Vegan. And I had two potential partners. It was uh, one of my mentors. And um, there was another guy who wanted to be in a partnership. It was three of us. Nobody will rent us a space. It was going to be called Pinky's Jerk. Right? We were going to be selling jerk chicken. I was vegan at the time, but we were going to have vegan options. That's what you know. Yeah, that's what I know. So they were going to be my partners. And for some reason, nothing would manifest itself. Like, nothing would work out. You ever do something? I was like, nothing is working out. Like, what is, what, all the speed bumps. Like, what is going on? And my first partner, she pulled out and she said, and and she is like a guru in the restaurant industry. She has restaurants, she got franchises. uh, She went on Shark Tank. She's just like the GOAT, right? So she pulled out. She was like, you know, it's not the right timing. You know, I don't want to do this right now. And then my other partner, he just didn't feel confident about the concept anymore. So he also pulled out. So it was just me, myself, and I. Yeah. So I'm ready. How'd you feel? Bring us to that moment. What's it feel like where you think it's going to happen? You have these amazing partners. You're, you're, Flying on like whatever is that cloud nine whatever the expression is, they pull out. Like what's going on emotionally? What's what's going on internally? I'm like screw them. <laughs> to be honest, I love them by the way. Yeah. But I'm like I'm gonna show them. Like yeah. one thing about me is if people deny me, tell me no, tell me I can't do something to put a battery on my back. <laughs> And it's going to make me go harder. Uh, and I think that, that that gave me the energy that I needed. Um, it gave me, you know how Popeye has the spinach? It gave me the spinach yeah. that I needed to really muscle up and just get in think mode. So Pinky's spinach is the word no. Pinky's spinach. I actually should um, can that. <laughs> do some CPG around it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's actually a good idea. Hey, um, it. <laughs> but yeah, so one day I was in um, my two-bedroom apartment in Atlanta. And I'm not a smoker. And I'm very transparent about this story because I, it's, it's a key part of the story. But um, I was smoking some weed and Slutty Vegan came out of nowhere. I'm like, Isn't it amazing how weed does that Weed sometimes? does a thing, okay? Yeah. I've been pregnant a lot of times, though, so I haven't had the <laughs> opportunity to smoke it as much as I like. Uh, <laughs> but this one moment in time, um, when I smoked weed, I came up with Slutty Vegan. Mm. And it was such a like light bulb moment. It wasn't like a, you know how sometimes you come up with an idea and there's so many like prefaces to it. It wasn't that. It just came like out the sky. Sometimes the simplest forms of ideas are the ones that work the best. The name, the concept, everything yes, came to you all just, at once. It just came to me. So I called my best friends and I'm like, what do you think about this? And they was just like, oh yeah, we love that. They like that. That's it. So we were playing it's with some catchy. other names. Like, yeah. Because I knew if I would have named it Pinky's Vegan, what am I coming? And you can have so much fun with the brand, too. Yes. You, and you do have fun with the brand. Remember, I am a producer. Yes. So I said, I'm going to... I worked at the Maury Show, for God's sake. Right? <laughs> so like, I'm like, I'm going to take my producer energy and the wild and crazy and put it in a concept that's going to make people pay attention in the raunchiest way, but also educating them at the same time. Okay. So and what's the education? That you can reimagine food in a way that you've never done it before. Okay. And for you, um, that was vegan. 
that that was veganism. But in the very beginning, that's not what it was. What was it? It, it what it. it it, it was what it was on the, on, on, once you start to peel back the layer, right? But when I came up with the concept, it was really an internal problem that I was trying to solve. I was tired of eating Chick-fil-A fries and a side salad as a vegan because that's the easiest thing that you can get. Yeah. Um, and I wanted some vegan food on a late night. And, um, you know, the late night, every, every late night, there's amazing vegan restaurants in Atlanta, by the way. But late night came and I was hungry. And Slutty Vegan was the solution to that problem. But I didn't realize I was solving a universal problem because there's so many people who are vegan, vegetarian, flexitarian that want to eat better on a late night. Um, And it worked. And not only did it work, it worked in a major way, especially for somebody who didn't have a business plan. You have a business plan. (laughs) Hell no. I still don't. But but (laughs) no. Um, but I think a business plan is really only—it's good for you to kind of have a strategy, right? I didn't have none of that. Well, I think it's—it's it's not like I don't think it's necessary, mm-hmm. but I think I see the benefits in having a benefit. Because I mean, I see the benefits now because yeah. obviously you need some strategy. You got to get it out, you know. You got to yeah. share it, and if you put it down on paper, when you put things down on paper, they're more like. Oh, I wrote it down on paper. Yeah, yeah. It was just scribbled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, your, that's your business plan. <laughs> I didn't have it was a just messy page <laughs> business plan. Um, but I had a dollar in a dream. Yeah. I am a big dreamer. Yes, right? I get that. So and, and because I'm a big dreamer, I believe that everything that I put my hands on, I'm a manifested into something great. And I did that with Slutty Vegan. And full circle moment. When I was on hiatus working as a television producer, I drove for DoorDash. Oh. I delivered food for DoorDash. And five years later, do you know that I, I'm just ending my term because it's a year term. For the last year, I've been the chief restaurant advisor for DoorDash. Wow. Helping them find solutions to solve problems in the business. Talk about a full circle That is moment. total full circle. Right? <laughs> hey, no disrespect for people driving Uber. I mean, or DoorDash. Like, I, I, I might have to do some Uber driving when I get back <laughs> from this road trip. It's been a long one. So, yeah. uh, I love the hustle. Um, yeah, I'm a hustler. It, yeah. Uh, so, when you have this epiphany. epiphany. I want to do this slutty vegan concept. Uh, what's the first step? What'd you, what was the next thing you did? Got the website. And this is 2018, two years this is 2018, after. 2018, got the website, um, got the Instagram. Then um, I didn't have to register the company because I already had an LLC. From the previous? I used the same LLC from my previous restaurant. Bad different idea. Different state, though. It was a different state. Bad idea. Okay. Don't do that. Why is that? Okay, a bad for idea? the entrepreneurs listening, don't do that because I owed sales and use tax from another state under oh, that same LLC. No. So I eventually, after about four months, I switched it over to, I created Slutty Vegan ATL in January of, in November of 2018. I started the company August 2018 under the Pinky Cole Group. And then Slutty Vegan was born in November, the, the, the LLC, the entity. So it was the tax that you owed just from not paying like your, your annual? Like, so what happened or? is after the restaurant caught on fire, I didn't close things out. Uh, so they'll still charge you. That's right? a lesson right there. That's a if lesson. If your restaurant ever catches on fire, make you, sure you, you gotta close, close it thing out. Yeah. You got to close things out. And like I was in the middle of like payments that didn't get paid. So, you know. I don't know if you know this, but like if you don't pay your bills with the state or IRS, that interest is a hell of a drug. They don't forget about it. (laughs) They don't forget about it and they will tax you. Okay. So you got to make sure that you pay your bills um, because I got taxed and I can remember. Was it a big hole? I mean, you don't have to share. Yeah, my wages got garnished. Oh, my goodness. um, Which was not fun. But I cleared it because Slutty Vegan was doing so well. Awesome. Um, So I was able to clear it by way of Slutty Vegan. So I love so back to what you started sharing before with I started with a website and an Instagram account. For some reason, I think people have it in their head that a restaurant starts with a brick and mortar. 
know. And you're living proof. That's why I'm so excited. You're living proof. <laughs> the path you took is, I think there's many different paths to get mm-hmm. to success. It all depends on your strengths, your weaknesses, your values, your vision for yourself. Mm-hmm. But what, the path that you took is the path that I would take today if mm-hmm. I was opening a restaurant. Yeah. Start where you can. Start yeah. small. And you were doing ghost kitchens mm-hmm. before the... The, before were, it got cool. Before, like, did you even know, like, how did you, like, how did you know to start with just delivery only? Because when I was driving for DoorDash, I learned about ghost kitchens okay. in L.A. L.A. was like the first market that I knew of that was doing it. So I went to Atlanta and went to a prep facility and they're like, well, we've never heard of this. I'm like, I'm telling you, I've seen it in L.A. Get, this is I the had future. a vision, damn it. Okay. <laughs> and that was in 2018. Yeah. And I literally have built a phenomenon off of ghost kitchens yeah. and and now it's funny as I evolve in business I'm trying to go back to square one to the original model that, that made slutty vegan what it is I mean you don't have to worry about the overhead mm-hmm. you know how much overhead first of all I'm being totally transparent it cost me like $850,000 to build one slutty vegan and and it's raising because supply chain and, supply you know, chain yeah, rents going but $850,000 mm-hmm. then you got employees to pay then you got maintenance for some reason every time you get a restaurant maintenance just I, now we got somebody yeah. on payroll then you gotta stay fresh every five years and you do gotta stay fresh yeah. you gotta make sure that the restaurant looks good but now when you have a ghost kitchen that startup cost will cost you 20 20 grand don't like that kitchen go to a different kitchen yeah change your address change the name (laughs) change the menu items you can continue to reinvent yourself all it is is like digital assets it's digital assets yeah and the world that we live in now post pandemic people aren't really coming outside to go into restaurants like they used to Right. Like when when we were in the heart of the pandemic, everybody wanted to be outside, of course. Right. So that was like the peak of uh, slutty vegan. But at the same time, I don't think people people are still like people aren't going out like they they used to. But I don't think full service dining is going away either. But I think think it's going away. There's a hybrid. Yes. Right. So there's like an 80 20. So 80 percent of the people are still going into restaurants. But there's that 20 percent that you can capitalize. Ghost kitchens aren't going anywhere. They're not. Yeah. But I I do. I I think that there's like as we go into the future, there's just going to be so many more options you know so that we're just diverse so many more digital options and for all the entrepreneurs that want to get a brick and mortar like start with the ghost kitchen first so that you can test it you need proof of concept yes okay when you have proof of concept then you can open i'm not um i'm I'm not telling people not to get a brick and mortar because i have brick and mortars right but test your concept that's not your starting point yeah see if the people love it see if you can make it go viral because you can still have a presence a marketing presence and not have a storefront so make your stuff go viral and then every Everybody's talking about it. And then you put one in L.A. or Chicago or a big city yeah. so, so that everybody can go to it. Let's unpackage this a little bit. What are the key ingredients to starting a successful ghost kitchen as far as the, the approach, the branding? Marketing. Okay. So marketing, marketing, what's marketing. the first step? Social media page. But when it comes to what about branding? Branding is marketing. Yeah. Marketing is branding. Yeah. Right? People get so like convoluted with the terms. Like that's all it is. Like you create something that's so disruptive. And it don't have to be disruptive doesn't have to be wild and crazy. But whatever your disruption is, it has to be that to make people pay attention. So I'll give you yes. a clear example. Exactly. So if I was to start a ghost kitchen today, I would make sure that I would have a menu item. That is so crazy. Yes. That's like a peanut butter jelly tuna fish sandwich. What? Right? I'm, I'm, I'm being funny, but yeah. 
peanut butter jelly tuna fish sandwich. Take a bomb ass photo shoot of that peanut butter yeah. jelly tuna fish sandwich. Get a publicist to do a couple write ups on that peanut butter jelly tuna fish sandwich. Okay, get a couple people eating the peanut butter jelly tuna fish sandwich on social media. Mm. Build a wave. Get a couple blogs to post. Somebody is eating a peanut butter jelly tuna fish sandwich. Would you try it? Hell yeah. Okay. And then it makes curiosity <laughs> kills the cat. Okay. There's something called FOMO. People don't want to get left out. Uh, yeah. So even if it's damn seafood and sweet and salty, people want to try it just to see what the hype is about. And oh, don't let it be good. <laughs> because if it's great, then you'll have a line down the block right. and people trying your food. That is marketing and branding at its finest. Awesome. Thank you so much for yes. spelling that out, Pinky. <laughs> but the big thing that I was hoping would come out of that, and it did, is if you're creating a digital brand, it can't be Bob's Burger. No. Because Bob's Burger doesn't scream. Like, if, if you could be Bob's Burger if you had four walls and, like, people came in and the experience they got was something that was just crazy because you there's other variables to work with. But when you're dealing with a digital brand, it has to jump out at you. It has to be crazy. It has to pull you in. Let me tell you something. Bob can't cook his bur- Bob can't cook bur- burgers. We'll make people pay attention. Like Bob, Bob stop cooking. What? A restaurant named Bob stop cooking. <laughs> Bob can't cook. What? A restaurant <laughs> and the food is immaculate. And called a restaurant Bob can't cook. Everybody's eating it. Right. It's all about the disruption. And if you want to be a disruptor and set yourself apart in a restaurant space, you have to do things that nobody else is doing. Yeah. Right. I, I don't eat oodles and noodles. Right. But I was joking with uh, my fiance the other day. And I said, you know, it'd be crazy if somebody made a oodles and noodles truck. You know, what oodles and noodles are. Yeah. A oodles and noodles truck and like pull up in front of the club or in front of a concert. Like everybody has eaten ramen noodles, whether you grew up in college, right? And like a ramen noodle food truck that you can put like cheese and butter and chicken and shrimp on it. And that's a whole concept right there. I wouldn't eat that and I'm not condoning that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you just got to be disruptive. Right. So back to your story, your timeline. You have this vision. You start with the website. Is, is it Slutty Vegan? What's the website? SluttyVeganATL.com. Dot com. Um, And let me tell you something about the resources and relationships. Early on, um, some of my mentors was like, you need to get every single website associated with the business. Get every single Instagram page because this is going to blow up. And if you don't get it now, you'll be fighting about it later. So give me an example of like the different uh, slutty vegan handles you got. I got like slutty vegan NY, slutty vegan. Like I just got... It's funny because you mentioned slutty vegan ATL. I was like, I wonder if she pinched it like she herself in a corner with that website because yeah. now you're specific to that region well I, i'm always going to be slightly vegan atl yeah. right <laughs> it, it's born and bred but you needed to get the other but i needed to get the spot. other ones yeah. because at the time i didn't know if i was going to break off and have the different entities i have one umbrella brand and it's slutty vegan atl and all of the other locations are under that i don't have different instagram pages for different stores i feel like that's a lot i don't want to do that but um, if you wanted to at least you have the option now I, and i have the option to do that but Slutty Vegan is bigger than just a restaurant. We are building a lifestyle brand. Ooh, what's right? that? What is a lifestyle brand? A lifestyle brand is Pepsi and Coca-Cola. Okay. They're not selling products. They're selling experience. You ever see a Pepsi commercial and they're like, buy this Pepsi mm-hmm. now. Yeah. No. They're showing two people in the park having lunch, picnicking, kissing, loving each other, and then you see the Pepsi can off to the side or something. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Got so it. we are building a brand that people can appreciate outside of just food. I did say yes because I was literally thinking of the Pepsi commercial back in the day. When the, Have you seen that um, that that Netflix documentary where they're like Pepsi promises so like you could like win like a Harrier jet or something like that? No, I haven't. 
<laughs> yeah. And that's what they used to do back in like the yeah. 90s. They would put like Pepsi like in your face. But you're right. Now it's more subtle. They're yeah, selling you, you see experience. Pepsi everywhere. Even yeah. now, Pepsi and Coca-Cola in every yeah. gas station. You remember growing up? I'm like, damn, every gas station got Pepsi and Coca-Cola. You go to hotels, they got steps and it has the branding and everything. But they, it's not the product that they're selling. They're selling it's the experience. Right, right. So that, the repetition of seeing that thing. And that's what we're doing with Slutty Vegan, which is why you now see Slutty Vegan in movies. We're doing reality shows. Uh, we're finding and identifying other ways to expose the brand that you see it beyond just vegan burgers. So and this fries. is your production experience coming this in and is colliding. All of with, that. Yeah, yes. it's, it's so obvious. Yes. I love it too. It's great. It's great perspective, and that's why I love doing what I do because I get to share perspective. I don't think there's a right way to do anything. If I'm no. being completely honest, because I've been proven. Whenever I think there's a right way, I find somebody that comes out of left field and just does something with because their unique experience brings a unique set of tools to the to the equation, and Absolutely. you have these you have what almost 10 years of getting in and doing acting and production like you have this whole different perspective than most people and you're leveraging that perspective to to serve your vision and mission i think it's beautiful um so back to when you got started uh you started with the website the the um the handle what else did you have to do to, to launch this right um i had to um just officiate the permits i went to the facility prep atl in atlanta um and i signed contracts because you if in order to do what I was doing, you have to have a dedicated shared kitchen space. Um, so they kind of like did all the heavy lifting. I signed up with them. They charged me $1,200 a month for like a small space to like have, uh, host my food and, you know, do what I did. And then I started. And the first week I had like four people. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little nervous about this. And then after that. And this is digital, so it's not like you you get four orders. That's four orders that come in. That's four tickets that printed. Yeah, yeah, four tickets. Yeah. And at the time, I was still working as a casting director, so I'm still going to work and then still looking at. I I hired three employees, and I'm like, first week I had to pay them out my pocket. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to do this forever. What's going on? And then what happened is there was a girl named D. She has a company called First Batch, and she tried the food. And she tried the food and she did it on camera and she posted on her social media. Mm. And she had all of the vegans in Atlanta coming to try the food because she said it was good. And I'm forever indebted to her because she exposed the brand to so many people who have never heard about it before. And ever since that moment, people started coming. They started DM, DMing, DMing the page. It got so crazy that people wouldn't even go on DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats. They would DM us and say, hey, let me order a one-night stand, um, extra sauce on the side, fries, da 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 And I'm like, okay. I'm just laughing the fact that let me order a one-night stand. Oh, yeah, you'd be surprised. <laughs> All the old ladies come and order one-night stands. Uh, but, um, that, yeah, is, people, that is a sandwich. Right. Just making um, that clear. People started ordering online um, by way of Instagram, which uh, Instagram, if, you, if you're listening to this, we need to do a collaboration, okay? Because I it. built my business on Instagram. You're the second person I've interviewed that started with an Instagram account. Yes, yeah. I be- my business went viral. My business still go vi- still goes viral off of Instagram, uh, and that's a blessing and a curse, by the way. This is another tidbit for the restaurateurs in the the world that's listening to this. I can remember Instagram was having a couple of glitches like three years ago, two years ago, and Instagram was down for like a whole day. Wow. Do you know it affected my business so much? And I could have died. Because I relied on the social media platform so much to garner a new business, but I needed that to happen. Things always happen to me. I like to say when when shit happens, you put policy in place. 
Yeah. Right? Because you don't want it to happen again. You don't want it to happen again. And from that moment, I signed up for Community, which is a text-based app. I don't know if you ever heard of Community. I haven't. First time mentioned. So text-based, what does it do exactly? You can text your consumer directly. So oh, okay. So SMS text marketing? Yeah, yes, but it's not like you don't see a disclaimer at the bottom. I could say, hey, big kid, I miss you. Come see me. Okay. And put my restaurant address. And it's just Got like it. I'm sending a text message to 35,000 people at one but time. But is it, is it using like a different number to send from so they don't actually get your personal number? No, no, so- no. You, you, you get assigned a number. Got it. So I started with community now i have about fifty thousand people on the database and in real time if something ever happens on social media i can text them and say hey i miss you hey come get a burger yeah and it goes right to them but i needed instagram to to not work for me to learn how to do that so you needed a backup plan you needed yeah. you didn't you you can't let your whole binge your whole business hinge on one platform no you have to diversify i have about forty thousand people on my email marketing through mailchimp right yeah. so so i have different channels where i can talk to the people we also have an app um uh, uh um, a slutty vegan app where we have a different database of people so we can talk to different people in so many different ways but i needed that to happen early on yeah that's amazing and um so when it comes to getting people on your, because you, you, I mean, it was Instagram that helped you launch, right? So I'm interested in Instagram best practices. So like you talked about how to get the influencers and how to, uh, you know, things to do to get people's eyes on your account, right? But what about when they land on your account? How do you get them to, like, is, is there like a path of least resistance to getting them to order? Is there best practices? From like getting them to see what you got and then buy what you got. So in the beginning, it was different, right? Because everybody just wanted to try it out. I don't do that anymore. I don't. You can't order by way of uh, DM anymore. Um, but now there's a couple best practices that we use on the page. We always make sure that we respond to people. Every time somebody comes to the restaurant and eats the food, we ask every single customer how was their experience. You will not come to Slutty Vegan and nobody responds to you in the DM and ask you um, and not ask you how your experience was because we care about the experience um, and we want people to have a good time. Um, and we never cuss on our social media pages. I know that sounds small. I cuss sometimes. I'll, but we don't, cur- we don't curse on Slutty <laughs> Vegan. No, that's good, though. That's like, your brand. So we have this raunchy, sophisticated brand. So it's just enough where it's not mucky. But it's so professional on the other side that you can't believe that this this brand is just raunchy and sophisticated at the same time. It's like these things are supposed to go together. I'm thinking freaking the sheets, but but lady on the streets kind of type like, energy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, I said if Slutty Vegan was a person, Slutty Vegan went to um, a HBCU, a lawyer. Likes the club on the weekend. Um, likes to drink uh, mojitos and strawberry margaritas and red wine from here and there. Um, and likes to travel all the time. Probably, um, you know, is paying bills and just living her best life and likes to go to yoga. That is slutty vegan and just listens to trap music sometimes, but loves a little bit of country and a lot of top 40. Um, but just likes to turn up and just live life with no regret. That yeah. is what slutty vegan is. I love is. it. I love it. So did you unpackage the best practices around getting people to actually purchase? Is there anything that you didn't leave? out on the table or should we keep going in that direction is there more yeah, I think that, that was pretty all much right cool so um so you you open your first brick and mortar not brick and mortar so your first ghost kitchen any advice on like actually like the relationship with the 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 kitchen that you're using and how to find space um set realistic expectations what do you mean by that so when i had my ghost kitchen neither one of us knew that i was going to build a company that was going to have hundreds of people wanting to buy it after that that woman that you mentioned who like shared your stuff um how like was it like instant like overnight it was instant 
how many like do you remember the first day that like was beyond four orders like when like when she shared that like what was the, the it, it gradually order? increased it was like four orders the first week and then after she posted it it like it was 20 then 30 then 50 and then the next week was like 100 and then all of these people were waiting and like it was like zombies i'm like oh my god so what was that experience like like you didn't have any data to know how to order. Were you selling out? No, like was I was. Oh, so we would sell out early, and we would just put a post on social media and say, "We're sold out. Got it. Please don't come. We're sold out." And it just kept getting crazy and crazier and crazier. And this was during a time where like veganism was getting popular all over again. So like the trend of veganism was happening. So like Beyonce was talking about going vegan. So everybody was like, "Okay, this is super cool all over yeah. again." And then there were so many people having these vegan experiences, and then Slutty Vegan came. Yeah. And and Slutty Vegan, we, we didn't have salads on the menu. This wasn't the concept that, like, it wasn't really anything green. Yeah. But that was on purpose. Because when you think about vegan restaurants, historically, They're everything was yeah, su- super healthy. And I'm, I'm not saying the Slutty Vegan is not healthy, but what I am saying is... The bad girl vegan. It's a bad girl vegan. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We are meeting people where they are. Yeah. On whatever step of the journey that they're on, we're not telling you, like, if you don't go vegan, you're going to die. We're not saying, telling you that. But we're also telling you that if you are in transition mode, this is the perfect place for you yeah. to come to so that you don't have to compromise what you normally like. Yeah. And, and just, that's why it's yeah, worked. And if you're feeling a little wild on a Friday night and you want to have you some come fun. get this sloppy <laughs> toppy. <laughs> yeah. Or this menage a trois. <laughs> I love it. I love and it. that's a burger, guys. <laughs> So uh, you weren't in the the ghost kitchen for a long time before you had a, a, a food truck. A month. A, a month. Because I got the food truck in September. September twenty fifth is when I got the food truck. Did that become HQ? Were all the orders coming out of that food truck? All the orders and <laughs> funny. I found a location. This guy, he, he built his first food truck, okay? So I was the guinea pig. It was a lemon, okay? But it was the best lemon that I ever bought. And for those who don't know what a lemon is, it was barely working. Um, <laughs> but he let me pay in increments to pay the truck off. And when I, paid, when, when I had that truck, um, I parked outside of the facility where the shared kitchen was because they said, you're disrupting the other tenants, but you can utilize the parking lot. Go get you a food truck. They actually gave me the inspiration to get a food truck. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I have never had a food truck. I don't know how to use a food truck. I ain't never buy no food from a food truck. And when I got that food truck, I posted up in the parking lot and it just shot through yeah. the roof after that. Yeah. And I think food trucks, um, I mean, I think a lot of people think that food trucks are a good transition to a brick and mortar, but it's a lot of logistical work. And your restaurant's not going to break that. Your restaurant's not going to break down. I mean, it might. It might catch food trucks are really hard. Let me tell you why I like food trucks because you can make a lot of money with little overhead. Like I make a lot of money with a food truck. Yeah. So I think it's a it's great because yes, you can make good money. but I think where, where I was going with the train of thought was that I think the best value in a food truck is getting your brand out there. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a marketing. It's a great with marketing. With the food truck, you got to go to the people. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. Go ahead. When you have a food truck, you have to go to the people. So it's a great way to test different markets. It's a great way to test different neighborhoods. Um, but you got to get oil change. And if, if you, I was always getting flat tires. So like we would have events and couldn't make them to the events because we had a flat tire on the side of the road. And the average tow company is not about to take a big ass food truck and fix it in 30 minutes. Right. So there's a lot of hurdles and speed bumps that come with it, but it was really a good segue into the restaurant industry for real, for real, because I was having three to 500 people standing outside. But I think people do think that the, the natural, some people think food truck, then restaurant, but I would argue to do it you did ghost kitchen maybe pop-up food truck restaurant then restaurant yeah and uh it's 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 like and as cash flow increases that's what's determining your growth yeah. can i afford it 
Yeah. So, and that's what I love about you is like you just started where you could and you let the, the, the cash flow determine the growth. Absolutely. And so after, how long were you doing the, just the, the, the food truck before you opened your first brick and mortar? It wasn't long. So I got the food truck in September of 2018 and I opened up my first brick and mortar January 13, 2019. And how that happened is I got a, um, a DM. Everything happens on Instagram for me. <laughs> I got a DM from a random guy. Um, his name was Ali, and he told me that there was a vegan restaurant that was getting evicted, um, and it was a space available if I wanted to look at it. So I'm like, okay, sure. So I went to look at it, and this the business was popping. Like I couldn't keep up with the demand. I'm like, I got to get a brick and mortar. And I went and saw the landlord. His name was Paul. And Paul was like, oh, Jewish guy, why should I give you a chance? You call me. <laughs> right? I'm like, because you need to give me a chance. Like, do you see my business? And he gave me an opportunity of a lifetime to, to allow me to rent his space. And my rent was $1,200 a month That's for low. a 650 square foot space. Is that, is that a good deal? That wasn't good, but it, it, good? It, was, it was worth it. Yeah. Worth every penny. Yeah. Because I was making that in the first hour. So what did you learn like through like forcing yourself into this early extreme success? Was there a learning curve? Like, what were the hard lessons? Did you have, knowing what yes. you know, did you, would you wish you made different decisions? Legitimize your paperwork. What do you mean by that? I didn't even realize I was building a multi-million dollar company. And there were people in the very beginning that obviously had a level of entitlement, which is natural. It's normal. People that help you. Who else would have entitlement to your business? You started this thing on your own. Yeah. I mean, employees that like are in the trenches with you. Gotcha. Right. I mean, it's just the name of the game when you, when you have a startup like that. So they think that they own stake in the business. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. When, when, when they're getting paid as employees. Um, but, but I had to make sure that my paperwork was right, which I did. Thank God. Um, but, but obviously I'm glad that I was protected because if I wasn't protected, there, there would have been a war against my business. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is making sure that I had confidentiality agreements and NDAs um, in my business. People don't really think about that in the restaurant industry, but for a popular brand like mine, it was necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and not taking cash. So I was taking cash and then I stopped taking cash. And I can remember... You know, we in Georgia, right? So guns are legal, right? So my employees were walking around with like guns in their waist because we were dealing with so much money, cash money every single day that we were afraid we were going to get robbed. And then I did get robbed. It, it was by an employee, um, <laughs> I'm metaphorically speaking. And at that moment, I said, no, we're not taking cash no more. And we went to credit before a lot of people were doing it in Atlanta. So credit only. Credit only. Wow. And that was like before anybody else was doing it. We like, nope, we're not taking cash anymore. And people said that I was crazy. You are going to lose business uh, because you are not taking cash anymore. Everybody doesn't operate with credit. And I did it. And it did not change one thing you, about you my business. You have a unique business uh, target market where I think pe- people who I think identify as like vegan are usually forward thinking individuals. You know, you said born vegan, or who like identify like vegan or whatever. No, that's not my audience. Well, I think they. Who's your audience? My audience is the meat eater, the, the meat flexitarian. Eater. Oh, really? Yes, uh, that's the it. audience. Okay, but I feel like people who think like that. There's your target market is younger people. Is that safe to say? Yes and no. So I yeah. feel like it's usually the older people who have an issue not paying with a card. Every everybody yeah. who has a card 
would rather yeah. use a car. But but that issue lasted like a week, and then yeah. everybody just got accustomed to it, yeah. and then you saw all the restaurants in the city start taking card because they realized. And a reason, uh, another reason why I did it is because of my my tax uh, scares. Right, I knew that if I was taking cash, it's so hard to keep up with so much cash like that, and I didn't want to be responsible for being in the news not paying my taxes. Yes. So if everything could be recorded, it made yeah. life so much in, easier. In for full me. transparency, I had issue with my taxes when I was first starting this podcast because literally every dollar I made, I needed to survive. Yeah. And you for, you don't realize when you're getting started that twenty percent of every dollar you make is not your money. Exactly. It's you got eighty cents. Yes, that's all you have. That's all you, you have. So you got to take that that twenty cents and put it away because it's not yours. It's you not protect, yours. You got to protect it from yourself. You have to. And the reason why I talk a lot about taxes, I know it's like ta- this is a tax heavy conversation because you make so much money in the restaurant industry that you don't realize how much that stuff can add up. Yes. And then so you, you have sale, you have, um, sales, sales and tax. use tax. And, yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. Sales so, and use tax. Right. So now we got like a full machine. Yeah. We don't play no games. Yeah. Like uh, that money comes in, it goes right back out. Like, and I'm happy. So you said, um, paperwork, uh, protected confidentiality in taking cash. When you say paperwork protected, what do you mean by that? Just making sure that you have the right legal team to protect you. Right. Okay. Like there's so many, um, ways in which you know in the restaurant industry i'm learning this now as i evolve people will sue you yeah okay or they'll try to sue you Mm. so as long as you are zip tight in all of your affairs and your business you will be protected and i mean like you can't prevent it from happening because that's the norm in the restaurant industry just happens it's workers comp claims claims all over the yin yang but just making sure that you have the right legal team to protect you in the business then you'll be all right yeah so pinky is the keynote speaker today so we have to respect her time uh, we're not gonna be doing a full hour and a half interview so i'm gonna take our break now we're not doing the speed round we're gonna continue to talk to you because i'm having fun with the conversation recently on the show you've been hearing it come up often restaurant systems pro if you've become interested i highly recommend you sign up for the restaurant system pro 60 day pilot program this is something that's never been done before this 60 day event is at no cost to you but it's not for everyone fred langley ceo of restaurant systems pro will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the restaurant systems pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time, these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. P. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash RSP.
Restaurant Unstoppable Network is back, baby, and we're better than ever before. We already have six live events in the works, and we're just getting started. If you sign up for Restaurant Unstoppable Network right now, you can be a part of these six live events. We have Casey Anton, the author of Profit First for Restaurants, talking about Profit First. We have Christine Miles, the author of What Is It Costing You Not to Listen, and It's Costing You a Lot. Tom Sterner, the author of The Practicing Mind, fully engaged, and it's just a thought to help you get into that right that right mindset and to will your future into existence. We have Kathleen Wood, the woman behind One Thing, who's helped so many of our past guests focus and channel their energy to doing one thing really well. We have Mike Payton, the former chief visionary officer, or whatever title you want to call it, but he was the guy behind the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS, uh, the, the, the traction library of books. We're going to get him in the network to talk about EOS. And we have Dave Nitzel and Dave Domzalski, co-authors of the bar shift and hospitality DNA to talk about their findings in their most recent book, hospitality DNA. We have a great lineup coming your way. And all you have to do is head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash whatever the episode number is. You'll find a link and a banner for RU network. Click the link, get a 30-day no-strings-attached trial, and the first 50 people to sign up will get a free Restaurant Unstoppable t-shirt. And if you opt in to the annual plan, I'll throw in a Restaurant Unstoppable hat and a mug. But you got to act fast because these are going to go real quick, I have a feeling. And thank you for your support. We're back. And... I mean, the, the truth is we don't really have a lot of story to tell because you're only you're five years into this and you're and you're exploding. And I think it's a testament to the model you chose. So um, you, you went to brick and mortar. Uh, you learned these lessons on protecting paperwork, uh, confidentiality, cash, you know, protecting your cash. Um, what are the biggest lessons? If you could give us two more lessons that you learned that you would like to pay for to the next generation of professional trying to achieve what you've done. I'm going to be totally transparent with you because I feel like I'm in a therapy session. I get that a lot. I don't know. Maybe I just make people feel comfortable. I don't know. It's a compliment, though. So a couple of weeks ago, I got this big nine-page spread in the New Yorker, right? So I mean, like, I saw it. The New Yorker is just like, you get a spread in the New Yorker? Like, you've arrived. Yeah. The next day, I got the cover of Jet Magazine, which is a, a big, iconic magazine. And then the very next day, I was all over the news because I was getting sued for unpaid wages. Oh, man, that's right. So here I am. Remember, I told you I'm the person that everything I touch turns to gold. And I only operate with integrity. I believe that people deserve to get paid if they work. I believe that um, you, you should be honest and open with your employees because they work hard for you. So, like, people who know me know that I only I don't play with money, not in my personal life, my, not in my professional life. So... Because I didn't create this business to make money, I took this very, very personal, right? So this was the second time it happened for me. And the first time I went to, to the internet, like, no, I don't play with people, right? But this time my lawyer's like, please, Mickey, like, let us, let us deal with it, right? So it was very hard for me to not defend myself and defend my company because we only operate with integrity, mm-hmm. right? So what I learned in that process is that people are going to love you. Not everybody is going to love you. Anybody can go and file a claim. You just have to be ready and prepared and make sure that you are zip tight and buttoned up because it will get expensive um, and it will get annoying. And if you are not mentally stable, it will affect you. 
it almost affected me and I had to bounce back out of it. So how did you stop it from letting it affect you? I really had to go in like prayer mode Mm. because remember, this is my baby. Yeah. This is this ain't just like oh I started this to make money like ah the money is gonna come I yeah. let the finance people do all of that like and you said you're not you said you're not religious but you're spiritual I'm very spiritual so I, and, when I and hear my reputation I want to be clear my name and my reputation is all I got like yeah. when the money runs out and all that is gone all I got is my name yeah so when I'm dead and gone I want them to say Pinky Cole was a legend Pinky Cole was an icon Pinky Cole was a motivator um, and somebody who really changed the world but. When you have speed bumps like that, right, whether right or wrong, it can affect the brand that you built. So it was really hard for me to be okay with somebody who people who love my business to now be attacking it. And I realized this is the name of the game. It's just business. So I am learning how not to be emotional in my business. Yes. So when I, you said prayer, when I think of prayer, um, I'm like you. I, I, I was raised Catholic, but I, I don't know if I'm sold on it. But I'm, I feel like I'm very spiritual. I think our bodies have energy. Uh, and when I think of prayer, prayer is just meditation. Yeah. Prayer is just, yes. You Absolutely. Know, That's just, what it is. It's exactly what being it is. Being still. Yeah. Um, just really like being by yourself and getting clear. Yep. You know, I tell everybody, like, when, when it's time to go home and sleep at night, no, nobody has the thoughts that I have, yeah. right? Like, I am building a billion-dollar empire by any means necessary. So we said 11 locations. 11 locations. Uh, let's see what we have. I, and I took some notes. You got – well, just tell me where they are so instead of me just trying to find them. <laughs> so Athens, Jonesboro, Georgia, Edgewood in Atlanta, right. Burnett in, in Georgia, um, RDA – that's five. Um, uh, Birmingham, <laughs> that's six. Harlem, Brooklyn, the Cloud Kitchen, Dallas. And then, wait, I missed one. There's so many. I missed one. It's 11, though. So uh, has there been, like, a strategy to your growth? Oh, Georgia Tech. I'm sorry. You're that's fine. 11. <laughs> has, there, has there been strategy to your growth? And I'm curious what that strategy is. Um, so when we first started out, we wanted to make sure that we go into food insecure areas um, that are vegan food deserts, areas that aren't so attractive to developers. And while that's still the model um, for the most part, we also realize that we need to go where the people are, mm. right? Because there can still be food deserts in areas that are super, super dense, um, which is why we went to Dallas. So you're trying to be first in market of what we, you we, do. We want to be first and only in market. Got it. Right? Um, and that strategy is trying to come to the, to, to the spaces in which we want to serve and put a clause in there that says we don't want no other burger, vegan burger restaurants over here. Like, we want to own the block. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? So, you, so you're working that into your, your contract. Is we that it? We work that into our contract. So how do you do that? With a developer? Like who... Um, so yeah, if, if there's a developer, it's, it depends. Like each location is different. Got it. Um, so we, we do it where we can. And we also, if we don't buy the building, um, we put a clause in it that we have first right of refusal so that if they want to sell the building, they got to sell it to us first. Got it. Got it. So, uh, I love that. Those are great little lessons right there. Uh, so I want to talk about the future. So the pinky Colt, I just did it for a third time. Slutty vegan. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on with me. Uh, slutty vegan is... Your, your your model hasn't really well correct me if I'm wrong has it evolved a lot over the past say three years there's still evolution to happen but you mentioned you wanted to go back to yeah. where you started so are you are you thinking maybe like you, you liked it better when when it was just a ghost kitchen is that the <laughs> it approach <was> cheaper. <laughs> yeah um, we're entertaining um, ghost kitchens all over again yeah 
and, and just finding a healthy balance. Like we have restaurants now, we have ghost kitchens, um, we've tapped into CPG, so we have products and targets, um, and and we're working on some proprietary products. So like the evolution is more than just brick and mortar. Right. So we're doing so many. We're tapping into the market like we are putting our hands on anything that we can put our hands on to bring in more revenue to to grow this lifestyle brand. So what's the future of what you do? Where are you headed? Where are we going? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know is a good thing. Yeah. Um, Because I could sit here and tell you all the things that we're working on right now. Right. Cool. But if you would have told me five years ago that I'd be here doing what I'm doing, I would have said you're a damn lie. Um, But I know for a fact that Slutty Vegan will continue to be a premier organization. We are only going to get better. We're only going to get stronger. And this will be a billion dollar brand by way of restaurants, CPG, uh, ghost kitchens, um, retail, television, um, entertainment, and anything that you can think of um, that will support this in being one of the top tier lifestyle brands. I love it. And um, so Restaurant Unstoppable's mission is to inspire, empower, transform the industry. You've definitely inspired us with your story. You empowered us with these little tidbits of nuggets of knowledge along the way. Uh, in this terms of uh, transformation, um, what what's what would you like to see the future of the industry be? Like, how can we go into the future more intentionally and better? I believe that there should be more opportunities for people to manifest their dreams by way of incubators. By way of access to resources. What do you mean by incubators? Like if you if you make good plates, if you make a good steak and egg, um, there's an incubator from a larger company that's willing to support yes. you and growing your business, Got it. giving you the financial literacy that you need so that you don't fail. Yes. Because imagine if the the big boys would lift as they climb there will be so many more yes. uh, respected yet uh, salvageable sustainable restaurants yeah. in the industry because they have a mentor in the business yeah. it's not easy getting a mentor in the restaurant space everybody's doing their own thing Everybody wanna, but more incubators will give people the opportunity to realize their dreams it's, one, it's been one of the biggest lessons I've learned doing the show that the most successful restaurateurs are successful because they make it about everybody else Exactly. they recognize talent when they see it yep. they recognize potential when they see it and they say if I don't become this person's opportunity they're going to go find it somewhere else exactly it's a win-win situation that is the secret formula to success yeah helping other people helping other people win the reason why I have my good karma is because I love to help other people win yeah so one so what are we so going forward into the field how are you doing this how is this manifesting in your business grace like business has has been really it's been five years right and five years as a startup company and still doing well and growing year over year is kind of unheard of so to be able to do that with the resources that we have and we keep getting better um i've gotten more mature in business i have gotten more clear in business um, and my intentions are changing for the right reasons. Like I'm very intentional in everything that I do. Um, back in the day, it was just about making sure that the customer was happy. Now I want to make sure that the internal customer is happy. Mm. And that's my employees. Did Danny Meyer help with that? Yeah, he does a really <laughs> good job at that. So but he's one of your mentors. Yeah, he he's yep. a cool guy, man. He like he, he's so, I see why he is where he is. Yeah. Because he does what he says he's going to do. He's a very smart guy, very calm. 
and peaceful. Um, but I admire him for the work that he's done over the years. Yep. Um, and his organization is just so zip tight. Like he's just, he's the man. Yeah. I mean, and the only if you I say th- something bad about Danny, my, <laughs> you got a problem. Right. The only reason why I said it is because enlightened hospitality is all yeah. about starting with the employee. Yes. Uh, Pinky, is there anything we did not cover? Anything that you think you can offer unique perspective advice to before we say goodbye? Take the risk. And I'm specifically talking to entrepreneurs who are just getting started, trying to figure it out, don't know if this concept is going to work. You got to take the risk. Those who take chances make advances. And I am a true testimony to the fact that you can be from humble beginnings. You don't have to have the silver spoon in your mouth and you can have a good idea and make it work as long as you take that risk. I've been taking risks since 1987. Yes, yes. And here I am. So you could do it too. You're doing a great job and it's been so much fun to share your story and to learn from you and to make an example of you. Uh, We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. That's really what I want to steer the, the, the show. I, Preacher Derek called you out. That's, that's one of the big reasons why we're sitting is he led us to you and what you got going on. Uh, and who do you respect and admire in the industry? People, somebody who's doing a great job and you're just like, holy cow, if this person shared their biggest secrets, I would absolutely listen to that. In episode. the food space? Yeah, in the restaurant industry. Who do you respect and admire? Slim and Huskies. Slim and Huskies. Where are they based? So they were born in Nashville, but they have about 11 locations. Three college friends, um, and they really just build a really dope piece of business. Love it. Um, and I like them because roundaway guys were very like meticulous with their business, um, and and they're having a trajectory like Slutty Vegan is. Yeah. So they're doing well. Oh, I got another one. Give it to me. Turkey Leg Hut is a good one. Turkey Leg Hut is based out of Houston, Texas. That's Turkey Leg Hut. Turkey Leg Hut. Got it. So obviously I don't eat turkey legs, um, but they built the community around their business. So they got lines down the block got and uh, very respectable. You know, you know, what's the coolest part about the restaurant industry now? Restaurant tours are like the new celebrities. It is. And you know what? You're sorry. Finish your train of thought. I don't want to cut you short. Yeah. Restaurant tours are like the new celebrities. So like you could be a restaurant tour and be like popping and like people love and respect you. And it's more than just food. So those are people that I would say what you're just the point you just said right there is the reason why I think the restaurant industry is going to change the world. If we transform the restaurant industry, I believe we can transform the world because the restaurant industry has influence. Absolutely. And I think we can influence people to be better and to be incubators and to lift people up and provide opportunity for people and to show people different perspective. And Pinky Cole, I'm going to say it. You are. I wrote down what you said. I got to find my notes. (laughs) Of course, I had it all queued up and I scrolled away from it. I think you said, I want people to say that I am um, an inspiration, an impactor. And what was the other? I got to find it. I'm so sorry. I totally blew it. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. You're doing good. You um, said, I want people to know that I'm a legend. I'm an icon. I'm a motivator. Well, I'll say it right now. You are a legend. You are an icon. You are a, mo- a motivator. And there is no questioning. Pinky Cole, you are unstoppable. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Pinky Cole, for coming on and sharing your inspirational story. Uh, man, what a hustler to have a restaurant burned down, to take those lessons, to start all over, to start small. Again, I love this idea of starting small, developing a brand, 
scaling that brand, developing a list, you know, and just taking it to the extreme. Now, where you're partnering with people like like Danny Meyer, going from a ghost kitchen a couple years ago to having a partners like this. What an amazing journey. And if you are loving this podcast and you want more episodes just like this one, we need your support in the best way right now that you can support restaurant unstoppable. Really? This is the, the, the best win win is by joining restaurant unstoppable network. And we took a little bit of a sabbatical. I pivoted to focus on what I love and what I do best in person, deep dive interviews and, uh, the network's coming back. We have a community manager. Callan Miola is crushing it as a community manor, manor, manager. Uh, and we already have a few people lined up for some workshops. So we don't have hard dates yet, but we have confirmed people who say they are in and they want to do a workshop. We have Casey Anton, who just recently published her book, Profit First for Restaurants. We talk a lot about Profit First. We have Christine Miles, the author of What Is It Costing You Not to Listen, who's going to be running a workshop. Uh, these are all live workshops. We have Tom Sterner, the author of The Practicing Mind, fully engaged, and it's just a thought coming in the, the workshop. Uh, and we have Kathleen Woods, the person behind one thing. She works with the most amazing executives across the industry, helping them get clarity on what they do better than anybody else. We have Mike Payton, the former EOS chief visionary dude. Uh, if you are interested in the entrepreneurial operating system, what we're implementing here at Restaurant Stoppable, you want to make that one. We have Dave Nitzel and Dave Domzelski, the co-authors of The Bar Shift and the Hospitality DNA coming in. And we have Fred Langley, the CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, going to be doing a live demo of Serve POS. So lots going on. I'm so thankful for my crew. Thank you to Calamiola for doing the work and the network. Thank you for Jerry Parisi for all of the content editing and copywriting. Thank you, Anna Tazen from The Good Kind, uh, who is helping with executive counsel. And I want to also say a thank you to my good friend, Chris Earl Hanley, who's been helping me take on the responsibility and learning video editing. Uh, we're taking that the next level super excited for the future of restaurant unstoppable and if we're going to make this happen we need your support get in there be a part of these conversations connect with my guests connect with these experts you will not regret it that's it for today until next time peace out